0: You're listening to SaaS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel and I'm Thomas, and we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SAS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
2: Join us on our journey as we
1: speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Uko Tomikas, the CEO at Mesente.
0: You should always plan. Always have contingencies. Always have black cups, because no plan survives first contact. But the ones who plan have a chance of success.
1: Hi there, and welcome again to the SAS Nordic Podcast. Really happy that you choose to spend here the next forty-five minutes with us. And today we're gonna. Look at how you drive a SaaS company from a little bit of an other angle. So uh, excited about that, Daniel? Definitely. I mean, we we often we look at, you know, what can we learn from each other, from
2: one SaaS company to another SaaS company or from one SaaS operator to another SaaS operator. This time around, we're actually taking an outside in perspective. What can we learn in this particular case from the military? And how can we apply that to running a successful SaaS company? So it's a little bit uh, special one for us as well. New angle.
1: Yeah. Did you have a military career, Daniel?
2: Uh, I am a reserve. (laughs) I don't know if if that translates well, but so just when it was time for me to do uh, military service, The system here in Sweden changed like, it was more or less voluntarily. So I did all the tests and stuff and then they asked me, do you want to do it? And I was like, no. And they were like, fine. So you have not done the training? God forbid something happens. (laughs) Uh, I am... uh, Untrained. (laughs) I am not a good resource. (laughs) Okay. Have you done military service? No, I haven't. I I actually got the placement. And when when you did it, it was mandatory.
1: Yeah, it was mandatory and... uh, I had this idea that I should refuse military service and I could, you know, take some jail time and then I could spend a hundred percent of my time uh, doing push-ups in jail. <laughs> No, no, no. But, uh, you know, I, I thought I could sit on my room and, uh, you know, do internet stuff all day. But then I understood that you had to work. So it wasn't an option. So Did you not, though, do uh, civil service? Am I remembering <laughs> this wrong? Yeah, I did civil service. So fireman and uh, some, you know, similar rescue thing. So I had to... Um, take a break from my education and spend like six, seven, I actually spend a few months in Eslöv, where you live uh, on the fire station, uh, doing 24 hour shifts, uh, a couple of them a week. So well, it was an experience for sure, but it was kind of sucked that it messed up my education. And, and you didn't get access to internet. Good. <laughs> my my master plan from the beginning wasn't anything that uh, that could be applicable hey you, you live and you learn you live and you learn and when you're young you can be stupid as i was so uh all right all right let's see what we can learn in this episode today we are very happy to have uku tomikas the ceo at mesente here as a guest in the sas nordic podcast so welcome uku
0: Hello guys, happy to be here.
2: It's great to have you with us here and you're calling in from Estonia today, right?
0: Yes, I'm actually calling from my home here in Saku, which is about, you know, 10 minutes outside of the capital of Tallinn.
1: Yeah. Our first Estonian guest in the podcast, really happy to have you here.
0: Yeah. Very happy to be the first one.
2: And it's, it's a special moment for all three of us. Look at that. <laughs> nice. For the ones that might not know you, Uko, tell
0: us a little bit about yourself. Who, who is Uko? Yeah, so I've had a pretty varied background. Um, I'm actually... By university degree, I'm actually a lawyer, and after pretty much since the second grade onward, I've always wanted to be a judge, and then when I actually got to law school, I realized I don't actually want to do law ever, Uh, but I still graduated. Then did my mandatory military service, became a decorated artillery platoon commander, which was one of the more pivotal aspects of my life and my professional career. From there on out went and led a small seafood company so wholesaled seafood for a while and realizing that at 23 I'm probably not smart enough nor capable enough of leading a company with international aspirations from scratch took a step back became an an SDR so an, you know a junior junior salesman in Macenta the company that I'm still at and through 7 years I've gone from being a junior, junior salesman to now being the CEO and shareholder of that very same company. Wow. And outside of that, there's a million other things I do. Like I'm a yoga teacher, a high school English teacher, sometimes a volunteer firefighter. So I, I get up to a lot of stuff in my day.
1: Do you have more than 24 hours in
0: your day? Yes, I have 26.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a time difference to, uh, to Tallinn that, that makes it possible. But yeah. also I think you have a pretty good streak when it comes to yoga. So how many days have you done yoga? So,
0: today was day number 987. So, I'm 13 days away from 1,000 days of doing yoga literally every day in a row. Wow. Mm -hmm. What's
2: the reasoning for that? I know it's healthy and all these things, but like, did this start as a challenge? Like, you had a buddy that challenged you, like, you can't do yoga for X amount of time? And then you're like, yes, I can. Watch
0: me. No, no. It was more like, my wife introduced me to yoga about probably like six, seven years ago. Um, I was always super skeptical because I've, you know, I've been a lifter and I've done martial arts my entire life. So it was sort of like pff, yoga, right? Come on, that's not a <laughs> man sport. And then <laughs> realizing how actually ridiculously difficult it is after the first three-hour session I had when I just came home and went like everything is pain. But um, it actually, I started doing it regularly when uh, after I took my very first vacation in my entire life. Since I paid myself through university as well, and I pretty much worked all the time or been in school, then I took my first official vacation when I was in Meseta. And because I had overworked myself through so many years, my body just completely shut down. Like I couldn't sit, my back was so incredibly painful and screwed up. So I couldn't sit, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything. And I knew that the, one of the things that's good for your back is stretching, right? So what do you get into? Yoga makes sense. Right. And from there on out, it started being a thing. And then, as with pretty much every single other thing in my life, um, I think it was about a year later when I had already gotten the benefits, my back was well, when I just one day decided I'm going to start doing yoga every day. And that's just how it worked. I decided I started doing it and I haven't looked back since. And it's kind of like that with pretty much everything I do. Right. I just decided to do it. And I,
2: I like, we can't see it now. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do it here, but it would be like cool to understand, like how good is your downward dog or any of the, or the frog or whatever it's called. Can you do this, you know, where you put the knees on your elbows and you just stand on the hands?
0: Oh yeah. I can do one better <laughs> than that. Like that's, that's, that's like, that's an easy level thing. Cause I can do what's known as a flying pigeon. So that's pretty much you. Cross your ankle over your knee when you're standing, Right. then go into a squat, put your hands on the floor, put that crossed leg on top of your elbows and stretch out the other leg behind you. So you're just on your hands doing semi splits while balancing yourself on one shin. That's a bit more hardcore.
1: Maybe you could send over a picture and we can have that as a cover picture for the <laughs> <podcast> <laughs> episode. It could be quite fun. I, I,
0: I can't I can't The other one that's that's kind of cool is uh, what's known as uh, kind of like a plancha which is pretty much like a plank but you don't use your legs so you just you pretty much lock your body underneath yourself and you're just on your hands and you're just sort of only your hands are touching the floor and your head's up and your legs are up as well
2: yeah that, that's not that's that's not for us because that requires some some core strength in
1: like you know the abdominal muscles and the back muscles i suppose i think i need to put some effort in reaching my toes or something to start. <laughs> but all right uh, let's get back into business so you work for mesente and uh, what are you guys doing
0: We're a business messaging company. Essentially, if you've ever gotten like a parcel locker notification, like from any of the, either ITELA or DPD or DHL or something like that, we're the ones delivering those. But also if you got a dentist reminder, then we're the ones sending those messages. You sign up to your favorite ride-sharing app, we're the ones sending those messages. So it's pretty much anything related to business messaging where companies use either SMS or WhatsApp or Viber or whatever to communicate, to use text-based communication with their clients. And then we provide that service with additional things to those clients.
2: Right. Okay. And and who are the your preferred clients? You know, I can see a lot of companies could use something like this, but do you have a preferred set of clients?
0: Yeah, I mean, we most often are preferred by financial service providers. That's kind of been our niche throughout our career, financial services and neighboring services. So banks, lenders, insurance providers, KYC companies, stuff like that, mainly because we've taken this sort of high security and anti-fraud angle. So I'll draw you an example. In Estonia, we're working with one of the biggest banks here, which is LHV and the Estonian police to fight SMS scam. So SMS is used quite a lot for scamming people out of their money as well. And it gets keeps on getting better and better. And because we're the biggest player in the market with a very large market footprint, we're able to then protect the market from a lot of that scam as well. And the impact of it is is quite humongous because I think last month we caught 50,000 messages um, in Estonia. And if you think about the actual financial potential damage that that does the clients, then scam messages usually have like a 1% to 4% CR. So let's say that out of 50,000 messages, 500 people would have fallen victim to that scam. Each scam on average is anywhere between 200 and 800 euros in their value. Sometimes it's the multiple thousands. But even if we take the 200 euros and then multiply by that 500 user count, you get 100,000 euros in damages saved from doing those things right and when you apply it to multiple other brands when you the cr sometimes is higher the damage can be higher the actual financial impact is quite immense so we focus specifically on those things like how do we protect our clients from that because it comes from the client and customer relationship as well Mm -hmm. because it's not just about you know providing a good service so people get their messages but it's also how do we help protect our customers brand because If somebody sends out like an LHV banking scam, they're not gonna come to us. They're gonna go to two companies. They're gonna go to their operator and they're gonna go to the bank. And those are the ones that usually take damage from that. So we try to minimize the effects of those damages on those companies while providing a messaging service that's very much geared towards security and reliability
1: okay gotcha so uh, if we take a look at the numbers a little bit so where are you guys at when it comes to arr and how much are you growing and maybe you also can mention your business model a little bit because i guess there are some transactional uh, like things and 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 also um, maybe a subscription so could you take us through that a little bit
0: yeah so most of the time the works uh, on a pay-as-you-go model Uh, most of our prep people simply pay for the messages that they send, um, usually anywhere between companies sending 100,000 to multiple millions of messages per month, for example. Um, And then we take our margin from providing and facilitating that service from every message that they send. Uh, For example, Macenta itself is on course to make 20 million euros of revenue this year. Last month was north of 1.4 million. Uh, 29 people in the company, so quite lean for an operation that size. It has always been profitable and so far still is profitable up to the point where as a company, we also have our own opportunities to invest into other companies. We don't have to fire 20 plus percent of our people within the company because we're actually hiring. We're bringing new people on. We're growing the business and has been growing for the past 10 years, etc.
1: All right. Then what growth rate uh, do you currently have? So not
0: to have the percentages on the top of my head, but last year we did 14 million this year we are gonna do 20 year before and 14. it was eight year before that it was six year before that. it was four, then two then one. Okay. So it's sort of quite anywhere between a um, hundred to you know 40 to 100 percent year over year growth.
1: Okay. Uh, and also I mean we, we heard here you have a quite interesting diverse background. And now you're the CEO of a SaaS company. So uh, as a SaaS company, you are very vision-driven. And I also know that uh, within the military, it's similar, uh, also very vision-driven. So what can B2B SaaS companies learn from the military in this sense? And what are your experiences uh, having that background?
0: So there's a ton to learn from there. I know that classically, people don't want to take too much guidance from the military, because it's seen as a, and if you think about corporations or industries with, with bureaucracy, there's nothing as much as a sort of harsh and as disciplined and as rigid as the military is. But due to a lot of those things, it also gives you um, a lot of leeway in actually leading people and, and helps you do that. So one of the best things that I always use is what's called a, a private check. When you have a company that understands the mission as a whole, you get much better results because people are thinking along because they understand where we're going. So they spot opportunities that you can't spot all the time. One of the most common examples is that when you would have um, your broader mission, you would have to then give it to your platoon commanders or your squad commanders and they would give it to the actual privates themselves. And then I would go and check whether the privates understood our overall mission and what we were actually planning to do. And quite often you'd be in a situation where um, if the, mission was actually poorly given out if they weren't given an opportunity to have a say in it if they weren't given an opportunity to actually engage with the mission they would quite often be in a situation where you know you would go up to the trench ask hey you know what are you doing? What's the mission? They go like, oh, and then you go, okay, so where's the enemy? Enemy's over there. Cool. Actually, the enemy's over there. So it's completely different direction, but that's fine. Okay. So what are we here to do? We're engaging the enemy. We're actually not engaging the enemy. We're actually flanking support. So it's this understanding of when you have a team that has an understanding of what's the value of things, you get much better results. Um, In Mesenta, that has led to the point where Every single time I hand something away from myself that I was responsible, it gets better. Mainly because I hand it to people who are much more understanding of what's the actual groundwork that's being done because I can't be hands-on with everything. But simultaneously, they understand the vision. So they know how to execute the on the ground aspect of the business better by knowing where the business is also going. So they know the values, they understand where we're going, they understand the overall vision. So the execution is significantly higher, and they also have buy-in, right. which is
2: super hard to get. So I think that's very interesting because also when I listen to you, it makes me think that in this chain of commands, you pass it on to the, the, the person that runs the platoon and he or she to the to the privates. It could easily break if, you know, in the first transfer of division uh, or knowledge or whatever you know, call it, the first communication line, If it doesn't like land properly, then for sure it's not going to land properly between the second and the third line here. How do you ensure that this is transferred exactly the way you want it to be transferred all the way through the organization to the privates?
0: The best way to do that is to, first of all, when you're talking about a larger mission or the larger vision, especially from a company's context, what are we planning this year? Then for me, it's been essential to literally have a one-on-one with every single person in the company, which of course is a luxury because we're a company of 29. So if you're a company of 1,000, it might be a bit harder. But it's the fact of everybody understanding where we're going as a company, because then you can fact check or cross-reference with that vision every single time you get a larger mission or a larger command or whatever comes in. So it's, it's understanding that. And secondly, it's, it's cultivating the principles as well. One of the principles I love is decentralized command. And decentralized command essentially means that The vision and the broader idea comes top down. The execution comes bottom up. So I will give a vision. It's like, this is where the company wants to get to this year. What do you think we should do? And then everybody goes, takes with their team goes, Hey, this is the mission we want to do in quarter one. How do we execute that? And the team themselves then come up with, Hey, so this is doable. This isn't doable. This isn't doable. This we can do, et cetera, et cetera. Because they already understand the broader vision. They also have their own SOPs, which are standard operating procedures. So they understand how their work is in general governed. And then the values of the company, which means you always have a compass. You always have parameters which to weigh anything against. And then when you're given the mission, you know, here are my tools. Here's what I need to get done. I know the groundwork. Let's get it done. Here's how we want to do it. And then as leaders, you just have to check those things. How I follow all of this to make sure that I have an overview is we use OKRs. And every, you have company OKRs dropping down into team OKRs quarterly, monthly, so that we can consistently review. And then I have one on ones with every lead every week asking about, okay, so how's progress? Where are we going? What are the stoppers? How are things going? Then check up on the teams ask them from time to time how they're doing, every team member. So I just try to communicate as much as possible so that I understand piece by piece where something is. Up to the point where I sometimes look at sales pipelines, I don't go nitpicking or micromanaging. I look at trends. I look at trouble spots and then I ask about them. Hey, have you noticed this or am I seeing something wrong? And then from that, you can deduce whether the mission is going according to plan or not.
1: Have you seen any particular area where sort of uh, the vision gets lost uh, sort of uh, along the way. Is, is there any common things that sort of where there are misunderstandings and, and hard to communicate? The big
0: part about building a vision is making sure that it isn't a buzzword you see of sameness mess. Like we're the next disruptor and unicorn of the industry. Like, you know, that, that never gets somewhere because even if top, like top level people understand, like we're disruptors, cool. You know, the people actually doing customer support and talking to customers is like, why did that thing break? They don't care like because we're disrupting the industry no you're disrupting my work like fix it they don't care as much about your you know great aspirations of being a unicorn they care about like what's the value that my work here in customer support brings to the customers today and when you then base that vision of where the company is going and explain it that way that's where you get to so for example Um, For this year, one of our bigger plans has been to increase our profitability across the board to make sure that Mesente is a stronger company. And then one of the aspects of profitability is, of course, because owners want to get more money. Fair enough. That doesn't motivate anybody, but from a Mesenta's perspective, there's also a variety of reasons why you would increase profitability per se. One is just financial stability. Hey, everybody wants to have a job tomorrow. We see the economy is not working out too well. People want pay raises. That requires cash. To get there, we need to improve profitability. We wanna hire better people so we can grow more. Requires more cash. We wanna make investments. Let's say that Mesenta at one point, right now we're doing business messaging, but we decide we wanna get into voice. Does it make sense to build everything related to a voice business over a six-year period of time? No. Let's go buy a piece of a voice company or let's just fully go buy out the voice company. All of that requires cash. All of these investments, all of these moves require that. And when you explain that to people, they understand the mission so much better when you give them context into that instead of talking about like disruption and synergies and all of the other BS that I... Every time somebody writes synergies on a whiteboard, I get like, I go white in the face and slightly angry.
2: I mean, I can totally relate to that from a personal perspective to what you also said earlier here. Like i worked for a company, it's a great company, but it was a lot about, we're going to be the number one in our industry. We're revolutionizing the way uh, product information management is done and so on. And sometimes it's difficult to like, what does that really mean? And for me, and maybe it's not so much a a vision uh, play, but then there was one CEO that took the stage and it's never been that clear to me in my life when he said, we're going to do all these things. We're going to be number one, this and that. But what we're going to do in the next three years, we're going to go from X customers to 1,000 paying customers. And that was super clear to me. It's like, okay, I know we have, let's say, 100 customers. We need to add another 900 customers. I know exactly what we need to do. And then like, like you said, he had baked it in and said like, if we get there, then all these great things are gonna to happen to us as a company, to us as individuals, to us as team. But nobody could ever mistake what we should do. If you're not doing things that support this goal to adding another 900 customers, you're probably doing the wrong thing.
0: Exactly. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. MyNewsDesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. MyNewsDesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial.
1: Well, going back and, and take a look at a little bit about what, what we can learn from the military. So is there other things um, that comes to mind that could be applied in a B2B SaaS company? Discipline?
0: Discipline, absolutely. Um, repetition of execution leads to results. I mean, the military is the best example of that. Um, my own classic two favorite ones are that you should always plan, always have contingencies, always have blackups because no plan survives first contact. But the ones who plan have a chance of success. It's kind of this interesting dichotomy because like in any battle, as soon as the battle actually happens, all of your plans are pretty much. yeah, well, that didn't work. Fine. It went completely different.
2: Are, are you saying that you should have you should have a plan A that you execute on? Yeah, but you should also have a fully developed plan B. In the back of your pocket, just in case? Yes.
0: Always have opportunities. Also, always review. Like, I'll draw you an example, very practical example from Macenta. Came up with the year's OKRs with the team in, in November. I had them fully fleshed out in, in January. Took a look at them in April, scrapped, scrapped 40%. Because in the first quarter, so many things changed in just the perspectives and the way we do things. So many new avenues opened up for us. We learned new things about the industry. So we pivoted a few things, understanding that, okay, so this doesn't work. So this could do better. And realizing that we had made two ambitious plans on what we all wanted to get done. So we had to slim it down and focus more to get more impact from the things that we see are, are most impactful. So that's kind of the thing. You had a fully fleshed out plan and we could have stuck to it hardcore, but we realized that in order to execute more effectively, you need to be flexible and understand that once those plans go into action, they're going to change. And if you have the flexibility and the understanding of how things work, you're able to adjust on the go and make better decisions because your understanding of, you know, this might fall off. Um, you know, it, it kind of ties into the other idea that I learned from military is that failure is always an option. Like this is something you need to keep at the back of your mind because you could always just be wrong. I had like, um, I had an idea, I think a few years back where I wanted to, uh, Oh yeah, this is actually another military story where failure is always an option that comes down to my own lack of good judgment because I'd already thought that I was good enough at things. So, we were doing a military exercise. We had to relocate from one area of shooting to another um, area of shooting. So area of um, artillery exercising, something like that. So move from one area to another. I kind of remembered where it was on the map. And then one of the things that, one of the principles you have in the military is that, you know, you get this kind of a really cool French coat where <laughs> it has a lot of pockets, has a lot of zippers. It's like, it's like a handbag that you wear It's like super good. Like, you know, you have your phone here, this here, like, you know, dumbbells somewhere. Like it's everything you want to wear on yourself is everything there, but it just comes with one rule, which is no button undone and no zipper unzipped. That's the main thing. And I was religious about following this as well. During one of the exercises, the same exercise, we were running around and I noticed that one of the flaps on one of the pockets was opened. I didn't pay attention to it because, you know, it happens. And then when later, a few hours later, I actually got into the truck um, to start positioning to another location. We were doing tactical maneuvers, which means the lights were off. So I had to check the map. So I reached into the pocket for my headlamp. And wouldn't you know it wasn't there? And the reason why you close the flap is so you wouldn't lose stuff, right? So it wasn't there. So I thought, eh. I kind of remember where it is roughly on the map as well. I won't check it. Because so I remember by my by heart, right? So we went off, did about a 30-minute detour uh, due to my navigational skills and not actually remembering where it is correctly. The only problem was we did 30 minutes in enemy territory. If this had been wartime, 90% of the boys would have been dead, including me. Like that's the idea of like preparation and that failure is always an option. If you think you'll wing it, you're leaving yourself incredibly open to to falling off. It's like not preparing for a sales call. If you don't know what you're going to talk about, you're going to go in there, get a question that you're not ready for and be sort of like, and it doesn't go anywhere. It's like preparation is key and being ready is key to sort of succeed every single time. That's the idea why I do yoga every day, right? Consistent, continuous repetition.
1: And have the right
2: equipment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But sometimes there is this balance. Now, if, if we look at the at SaaS business, that speed is more important than perfection at times. So you might have to, I don't want to say wing it, but uh, uh, make some big decisions, maybe with 60, 70% of the data available and the 30% needs to be, gut feeling or that's where i say sometimes that's where experience comes in yeah but you need to move fast on certain things and you can't can't fully wait to have it all like this is the right move
0: or am i thinking wrong about that no you're not if you think about the history of most major military conflicts big breakthroughs have come from um seizing the initiative and doing things outside of regular battle plans where you just push for it immediately Um, and using an opportunity that's in front of you. It's the same in SaaS business as well, but what makes a successful military campaign that is seizing the opportunity successful and the same with SaaS business is having still strong core processes and still strong core ideas of who you are and where you're going. If you have those things strong and those are prepared, then you can make those moves. If you don't have a strong core, You'll make a completely wrong turn and be screwed. Right, and that's kind of the difference between it as well. Yeah. Having a strong core gives you an opportunity to execute more effectively. Right.
1: So you also mentioned repetition. So could you give an example of that and how that can be applied? I mean, my
0: favorite repetition is is the most successful salesman we've ever 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 had in Macenta, who like he called himself as well, he wasn't the most charismatic salesman ever. He wasn't this person that works a room that's just like there, right? He was just a person who did the steps properly every single time, learned a little bit, executed again and again and again and again and again. And just by virtue of consistently doing consistently good work, he brought in some of the biggest clients we ever had. Okay. Like top five clients, top three are his Right. by just bringing them in through pure, consistent work. You look at his emails, you look at how he did calls, there's nothing flashy, there's nothing special. But if he promises that he will send you an email tomorrow morning, that tomorrow morning, the email is going to be in your inbox. If he promises he'll get you prices by Friday, he usually gets you prices by Thursday, you know, under promise over deliver. And that consistently always brought them in stuff
1: is there anything more to be said around um, leadership uh, and those kind of things as well
0: yeah I guess one other thing you know I kind of touched upon it on the vision side as well the idea of no buzzwords but it, there's a larger general principle which is called keep it simple usually it's called kiss keep it simple stupid um, because the more this the more simply you can explain what you do and where you're going the bigger chance you have that people will understand. The more buzzwordy, the more difficult you make it, the more flashy you make it, the less of a chance there is. You know, Daniel brought a perfect example of that. We're going to go from X clients to a thousand clients. No one has any question about what you're going to do. But if you're going to say you're becoming a market leading disruptor of whatever, then people don't understand what that means. Give it to me simply so I understand exactly what I'm doing. And that has an immense value down the line as well
2: yeah Mm.
0: and maybe you
2: touched upon it a little bit uh, as well but like i'm curious to know uh with your background and now running mesente what is your perspective on what's a good commander or a leader so the people that report into you but also manage their own teams like what are good criterias that will make up a good leader
0: that's a tough one um I guess the things that I always try to do is be a personal example because it's hard for people to trust you and trust your leadership if you're slacking off or if you're not putting in the work or you're not showing up on time. Mm -hmm. Like if you're three minutes late for every meeting, so will your team. Right. Like if you're on time, your team will be on time. And if you're on time, you can also demand being on time. Otherwise you can't if you're not on time. So setting a personal example is super vital in my perspective. Um, And I guess the other thing is, and it's a principle that's hard to teach, but genuinely caring, like genuinely caring about the people that you lead, asking questions, learning about them, learning what makes them tick, understanding how they function so you can help them unlock their potential best. But it means you genuinely have to care about working with them and genuinely care about them doing well which is easy to say, but
1: can be quite hard to do. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense, actually. All right, and looking at the SaaS industry, it could be experiences from the center, but also what you have seen in other companies, what will cause them to be crushed at the battlefield? What are people doing wrong?
0: One of the things that I've seen, mostly you know, taking from my industry as well, is this lack of a long-term perspective. It's what am I going to do this year? but not having a plan of where I want to kind of be in 3 to 5. We quite often see this very short term things. It's it's very evident for example in the existence of new types of fraud within the industry and a lot of players jumping on the bandwagon and then actually using that type of fraud to make a quick buck while sacrificing in the long term the trust of the entire channel as a whole. Right. Like it's very short term thinking to make a quick buck right now but in the long term damage an entire industry as as a side effect. So that's one of the things I think that's the biggest damage dealer is when people don't have a long-term understanding. They don't play the long game. They only play the short game. You have to play the short game as well because you have bills to pay tomorrow. Mm. But you always need to keep the long game in mind to make sure that you know from our perspective that you're here in 10 years time. Still running a successful business, not that you're burned out in two because you're out of cash and you didn't hit the market the way you wanted. So, this this go big or go home, if we look at the stats as well, if you play go big or go home, you're usually going home. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, a
1: lot of companies are going home now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but taking a look at the long perspective now from a So, what is the future for you in three to five years?
0: So the big thing we want to get to is, um, of course, increase our foothold within this particular niche. So financial service providers, KYCs, that surrounding industry network, especially in Europe, where our core markets and our strongest areas are. And then doubling down on our efforts to fight against financial fraud and any sort of other fraud that's being used. Logistics is a very good example for that as well. Working very closely with operators, working very closely with the banks, the businesses, the local authorities to become the securest channel you can use or the securest provider. Very much focused on being very reliable, very secure. You know, you need every service in the world, you cinch. You want the single most reliable and secure one, you use us. Like that's the difference of, of putting in the work to become very strong in that field. And that's why you know, working with banks in Estonia, working with the Estonian police, you know, Estonian police um, giving a referral to the chancellery of the Estonian president to us because we're the most secure channel. Like That's what we want to happen in more countries all over europe which is our strong area where we know that we speak the same language we have the same principles same data security guidelines etc and building that footprint to be even stronger than it is right now
2: right and you mentioned here also a little bit earlier that you guys are on a growth journey obviously revenue wise have been growing really nicely but you're also hiring and there's a bunch of people listening into this episode now uh, in the community is there anything you'd like them to help with Is there anybody here that can support you in any way? And if so, how?
0: The best thing that people can help us with especially is sharing their use cases, sharing their stories of, especially when they've seen scam, when they've seen spam, fraud, things like that. Sharing use cases where they've either had success or they've had either failures or they've seen a detrimental impact by one of the channels on their business. Because we can learn from those and find ways to do it.
1: But besides your offering, anything else that you need help with?
0: Good salespeople, (laughs) it's always hard to find, but no. Um, Stories, like tell me your story of how your business is doing. what you've been doing in life, what's your journey been? Share stuff like I've shared about the military because everybody has stuff that they've learned from outside of their business. Like share that with me. Yeah. If it's not about business, uh, not about messaging, which i was always glad to talk about uh, as as has been seen, uh, share your stories, share your life, share what you've been doing, share what you've learned. I'm always very, very curious to understand that because that kind of makes me tech more.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean here... Is there someone that you think has a story to share that we really should uh, try to get on the show? Anyone that you're curious about? And that
2: all you know, SaaS operators would benefit, or many at least, would benefit from listening to him or her.
0: One of the, I, I think it would be less about like specific people, but more about like fields. Okay. Things that are always most interesting for you are like people from agriculture if you want a different perspective on on how to do things people from agriculture are much more interesting to talk to in my own personal experience because i mean in a in a ceo group in estonia as well where there are companies that are from the agricultural field they come up with very different solutions to very similar sounding problems that we have but they look at it from a different perspective it's again this sort of like you know if you're a you know a potato harvester you don't care about synergy type of a deal right so you get a lot more understanding of how people do day-to-day hard grinding work and what how that applies to other stuff as well so people from agriculture are very interesting or get somebody from the military
1: okay so challenge accepted so we'll see if we can find some um some farmer that uh, you know uh, re did a pivot and now he's running a SaaS company or something like that and take part of uh, his or her experiences. But uh, really interesting, Uku, to get to know you a little bit more. Your, your uh, I, I think, quite unique background here and sharing experiences from the military that we can apply. So thank you for being with us and see you around. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Take care now. Bye. Bye. All right, Daniel. What did you learn today?
0: I
2: learned that uh, a couple of things like, man, that this guy is like a uh, multifaceted guy. He's done everything. What did he say? Uh, I want that guy on my team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Started off running a fishing company and English tutor, uh, obviously CEO of uh, Mesente and a few other things. Martial arts, yeah, like yoga. Yoga for for 900 something days. I will say though, that I have been uh, on a new diet, this is my, I am on day three, carb-free, people. Wow. Carb-free.
1: I'm all, I'm feeling a little bit fatigued. Yeah, I've done it for 500 days. So. You've done
2: carb-free for 500 days?
1: Yeah. What? <laughs> Not now, but uh, in the past. Okay. So. <laughs> well,
2: congratulations to you. I'm, I'm in the beginning of my journey. So anyway, what, what I take away from this episode is like uh, what Uku says, communication is key. And... One is transparency, two is clarity. Like if you're too vague with like we're going to be number one, disruptor, this and that. That doesn't mean anything to most of the people in your organization, which means that you will not give them that guidance and framework that they might need in order to be their best, in order to be their best to drive this organization where you need it to be driven. So I, I take that with me, like, you know, we can learn from the military in, in the clarity perspective, yeah. because I, myself, no disrespect to anybody, because I've also probably been very vague in my communication to my teams. But it's like, it's difficult to work when, when
1: somebody tells you, like, we're gonna be a disruptor. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. What about you, Thomas? Well, a little bit related to that is, you know, that if you want to make sure that communication and, uh, and some works, talk to the private, talk to the people, on the floor, uh, because ask them to describe the vision and the mission and and where we are going. And if if they can't really do it, there is something wrong in the communication chain. Yeah. So, um, yeah, don't uh, spend time there uh, if if you're the leader of a company.
2: And on on that note, I thought it was like, I, I at least have never heard that before. I have heard the expression, failure is not an option. But Uku said, failure is always an option yeah like i thought that was very interesting that you know we've heard other people in the episodes in in some of our channels to talk about you got to have a plan a don't work on a plan b because that means you don't believe fully in plan a but here he said like because a failure in the military there's always an option to fail you need to have like something up your sleeves a plan b c that you can pull out when you need. I thought
1: that was interesting. Great. And uh, Daniel, do we have a plan A, B, C, D for the rest of the year here with Sass Nordic and SAS is- I would say, sorry, Uko,
2: we are very committed to our plan A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we feel strongly ab- about plan A. And it, it's, again, it's, it's continuing on the same path. It's about providing the community with knowledge, input, data that you all need in your personal journeys to support the businesses you're running. So if you're a marketeer, you come to us to be a better marketeer. If you're CEO, hopefully we can inspire you with input or connection to other CEOs to become a better CEO. And in order to do that, we have a few things up our sleeves, or it's, it's not a secret. You know, the big, the big next thing coming up here is obviously Sassys Digital in September. Thomas, what are the dates again? Remind me. 27th and or. 28th. 28th, yeah. And on top of that, we also have in the the fall winter here, uh, sassiest investor day because we know there are still a lot of people or there always is. That's the nature of our business looking for intelligent capital, yeah, people that can help with funds and so on.
1: So we're going to do a little bit of matchmaking in a way that you might not have experienced before. No. I think we want to do these events a little bit best in class so some of these events will be very content focused uh, to sort of spread the knowledge as you say so you can uh, be better at your job or better in running your company and other ones are more tailored towards matchmaking and such. So let's see where we can present there. And then we also have the Sassys Jobs Day in December. That will help you that are looking for talent to present your company and your opportunities. Yeah. So that's plan A, right? For the big events. That is plan A. And you might help us with
2: expanding on plan A so if you have any grand ideas that you know we should also do this and how this is another service we can provide to the community let us know or if we call that plan B but you know we always talk about co-creation a lot of the programs we have uh, done and we are doing the reason why they're successful is not because Thomas and I are that brilliant I think we're we're pretty decent but it's because the ideas are co-created with you guys so like we have fantastic product market fit because a lot of it comes from you so Tell us what else you need and we'll see if we can help provide it somehow.
1: Absolutely. So with that, we thank you for listening. Uh, If you want to know more about what's happening or access the content, you can head over to sasnaudic.com. Otherwise, see you in the LinkedIn feed or at the upcoming meetup or uh, well, give us a call. Bye-bye now. Bye.